Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And this week we are traveling to South Africa. I'm actually going to drop that show today um, right after this one. So I encourage you to listen to the show on South Africa and learn in detail what youth soccer is like in South Africa. And this show is brought to you in part by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training application with 1,000 training videos, 100% follow along, and over 101 fun soccer games. And if that wasn't enough, we're adding hundreds and hundreds of challenges. So go to anytime-soccer.com to learn more about uh, what we do and take one of the challenges that are actually on our website. The kids really, really enjoy them. And if you haven't been to the website, anytime-soccer.com, to give you perspective, I'm about to post a figure eight challenge. Right foot only figure eight challenge. Very simple um, concept. I have a um, son that's left footed and I know I want him to work on his right foot and I want him to work at speed and I want him to try his best. Well, I have an option. <laughs> Let me tell you the wrong option first. Uh, uh, telling him to move faster and telling him to use his right foot. This is a losing battle. I think I mentioned this in another podcast. Instead, what I do is I give him a challenge. Ah, I bet you can't get 14 cones. I bet you can't get 15 cones. Or better yet, when he's with other kids, bet you can't do more than your, um, than your friend. And even better yet, and I'll give my older one a handicap, you know, so that it's fair for my younger one. I bet you can't beat your older brother. And guess what? His younger brother sometimes does beat his older brother, even with, um, I mean, with the handicap. So that's, that's the challenges are a way um, for us to get the kids moving faster while preserving that delicate parent trainer relationship. So now let's get on to the show because this is a very quick show and it's very rare that I publish a show on the same day, normally because I'm absolutely exhausted. It takes a lot for me to get these things out. But I wanted to offer a quick addendum, if you will, with some clarifying points from the previous show. And in the previous show, what did we do? We, we, defined, or at least I offered my definition of player development from um, the parent, from the parent, one parent's perspective. And we're going to get into sort of what, what I want to clarify in a minute. But, but for those of you who did not listen to that show, I encourage you to go back and listen to that show. But I'll drop this uh, definition here, even though this show is really not going to be about this specific definition. But anyways, I define player development as the process of teaching and refining acquired skills and leveraging innate talent and ability in order to produce on-field performance in an individual and team context. So it's a process. What did it, what did we teach you in layman's terms? What did we teach you? What did you come to the table with? 
And how is that manifesting itself in performance on the field? And I went to some, some more detail on why I use a very narrow definition and blah, blah, blah. But because I use such a narrow definition and because I offered this in a very specific way, I wanted to follow up with a few clarifying points. So the first point, and most of these clarifying points I have made in one of these 70 different podcasts. So I'm kind of like putting them all into one uh, for a few of these assumptions. So one clarifying point that I want to make is really being crystal clear about who I'm speaking to. And as it relates to these podcasts, I have two primary people groups in mind. And then I do think everyone can benefit from them, but they're two primary groups. The first group are my own kids, right? I want to leave with them. A, I ain't got no money. So I want to leave with them a legacy of opinions, which may not be that valuable, but you know, that these are these are dad adam and matthew this is sort of what your dad was thinking and on the 8th of november 2021 so that's one group and the other group are discerning parents who receive this information and receive um, education youth soccer education so discerning parents who receive this information, who have at least these, at a minimum, these two characteristics. They believe in the benefit of deliberate practice. So they believe if you wanna have develop a better first touch, if you go out in the yard, regardless of anything else, if you go out in the yard and kick a ball off against a wall 50 times a day, your first touch will develop better. It will improve. improve. They, they believe this. And they're also unwilling to outsource 100% of their child's development to someone else. So what that means is they're not going to pay someone $40 an hour to watch their child kick a ball off the wall. They're going to look and say, oh, wait, wait a minute. I can do that. I, I can't do it all. I can do that. Right. So and they recognize that it's convenient for them to do 10 minutes after school, then try to organize some kind of structured individual training program all the time but they do recognize that it's a very, very uh, precarious situation. So that's the target uh, of when you try to work with your own child and that's, our, that's the target audience. So, so that's the first clarification. And why do I need to make that clarification? Because when we start talking about um, defining player development, it may be better to think about it as I am part of a consumer protection agency. So I'm not telling you how a club may define it. I don't, I'm not inside in the inner workings of clubs. The little bit I do deal with people who run clubs, they don't appear to think about it quite like this. And that may be rightfully so, because again, I'm not, I don't run a club, so they will have their perspective. And so I'm sort of on the outside, just sifting through their information and effectively saying as a consumer protection agency representative, when you are evaluating the club and they say to you, um, um, they develop players, then you should walk away from that. You should eventually be able to walk away from that uh, experience of watching that club operating saying, 
yes, it's clear to me which skills they want the players to have. Because in order to teach a kid a skill, you got to work on that stuff a lot. So by the end of the year, it should be clear to me what skills they want them to acquire. And then it should also be pretty clear to me um, sort of what the on-field performance looks like uh, um, on an individual and team basis. So I should be seeing, you know, individually, I should, at the beginning of the season, my son is doing this, our daughter's doing this. At the end of the season, I'm seeing this happen. Or I'm asking my daughter, what the heck are they teaching you? And maybe my son or daughter can't execute it, but they can kind of understand what they're supposed to be doing in field performance. So, so that's why understanding the target audience is very important, which then brings me to the next point, which is you as the parent trainer are not the target audience for most soccer education. So when a soccer coach or club director or trainer, when they talk about soccer development and player development, they are not, they, they're not talking about it from a consumer protection perspective. So they're not coming to you saying, as your representative, when someone talks to you to you about soccer and uh, development, these are the things that you should be looking for. This is not how they tend to think about it. So it's important to understand that on the flip side. That doesn't mean you ignore what they're saying. That doesn't mean that what they're saying is not relevant. It's just that they're not coming from it from a protecting you as the consumer perspective. So the analogy I would might give, which is not a great one, would be like if you asked a restaurant owner, um, what is good on your menu? The restaurant owner is going to say, you know, everything, everything is good. And these are this and that. And I'm going to come back to that analogy again, but that's sort of how they're thinking about it. And then um, the next, uh, next exam, uh, next uh, assumption or thing that I have to clarify is, remember, I'm talking very broadly about sort of universal principles that I just happen to be applying to youth soccer. So if we were taking, if we were to take the player development um, model, if we were to take the player development example, um, then I could easily um, use that in an HR example. So I could just say, how, how are we developing employees? Well, what are you teaching them? What's the process of teaching them? What are you teaching them? What are they learning? What skills are they acquiring? And then how are they performing in the workplace? So it's, it's no different than there. I'm just applying these concepts to youth soccer. And that becomes very important because to, of the next thing that I really want to super clarify, I am magnifying a very small sliver of my child and hopefully your child's overall soccer experience. So, for example, my older son had two games on Sunday at a double hitter because the teams traveled far to play each other. So he had two games on Sunday. I'm sorry, on Saturday. And right before those games, 15, 20 minutes before those games, he did a couple of anytime soccer training videos just to get those touches in. And then he's off and off and ready. Well, and then on Sunday, he relaxed and watches American football and was chilling. So that 20 minutes that he was doing anytime soccer training videos um, to get some extra touches in, in preparation for his game. I'm magnifying that experience on how I'm able to execute that experience and not drive my kid crazy. But in the entire 
um, scheme of things in the overall weekend, it's only 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes out of his entire um, weekend. Now, if you get that 15, 20, 30 minutes wrong, then you can ruin the experience for your child. So this, I don't want to mitigate that. But in terms of overall soccer life or whatever, it's still a relatively small piece of the pie. And I am just dedicating the entire podcast to focusing on that very specific piece of the pie. And so this part of the show or this point I'm making is more of a defensive response to say, we have to remember that I am coming to you saying, we're trying to solve a specific problem that some of you may have. I'm hearing that some people don't have it. I'm gonna talk about that in the um, In Search of Unicorns podcast, but in no means do I want an emphasis on solving this problem to overshadow sort of what should be happening overall when it comes to youth sports and, and, and soccer, which then brings me to another point. And that is that, and this is important, you're not going to find a self-aware adult coach in the history of youth soccer now or ever. You're not going to find one who is going to make, who is going to say anything remotely close to what I'm about to say. So you're never, if you actually play a, uh, a coach who's coaching eight-year-olds, and if you don't believe me, go, 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 go test it out. What should be happening in the training? What should they be thinking about? What They're always going to say, inevitably, it should be fun. And most of them, 95 to 98% of them are going to leave it there. It should just be fun. If you are thinking or, or looking at anything else other than that, then... Um, you're doing something wrong. And not only should it just be fun, and if you try to do anything that's not 100% fun, 100% of the time, and you get any indication that it takes away even the smallest amount of uh, fun for that child, you need to stop immediately. And you're probably one of the reasons why youth soccer has, is being ruined. Everything should be Fun. And I would use a term, and I, I don't know if they think about it like this, but this is the way I interpret it. It should be instant gratification. So if I take my youngest son out and do free kicks, he will get instant gratification from that experience. But if I ask him to do free kick with his non-dominant foot, he might enjoy it, but he but it, it's not in the 100% um, fun category anymore and the message that you're going to get as a discerning parent is from very 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 well-meaning people is nope nope you missing the plot it needs to be 100 fun 100 of the time and then they have varying degrees of logic as to why that should be the case so why am I making that point to say that it's not a right or wrong per se? I don't think they can, they, they don't do a good job of reconciling how do we achieve a degree of mastery in using this sort of uh, framework, but it's not a right or wrong per se. It's just for me to say to you guys, remember um, 
they are not talking to you. So they're not talking to the individual who is in the backyard by themselves, kicking the ball off the wall. They are thinking about it from you drop your, from the perspective of you drop your kid off at a field. And if you want them with other kids, and if you want them to dribble faster, why not have other children chase them, which we have hundreds of games in the program, by the way, that does that. But that's kind of how they think, they think about it. And so it's important to understand that. Because if you don't understand that, then you may second guess yourself when you are trying to do a few things to help your child um, get better. So for example, I was at my younger son, he was, he had a rec indoor thing this Sunday and I bumped into a mom who was passing the ball to her kid. And then the child was asked to do a soul roll with the right foot or left foot and then pass it with the right foot. So mom passes it, does a soul roll and then pass it. And I struck up a conversation with her from a marketing perspective because I show her in the application that we already did that. Thought about it, done it, it's in the app, five minute video, you can do it. You don't even talk to your child, they can see the example, good. And she, she enjoyed that. But then I went on to tell her about the podcast and saying, you know, my logic, it gave it a two second version. My logic is if they, if they can get these foundational skills early, it won't all be 100% fun, but if they can get these foundational skills early, um, then they will enjoy the game more. And then that will foster their love for the game. And then I went on to say that, and you don't want to create an, a situation where the child believes that to acquire these foundational skills is going to be 100% fun, 100% of the time. You do have to be developmentally appropriate, but uh, you know, I, 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 I don't even want you, I don't ever want to paint a picture to any child over the age of six that you can learn something and never have to do anything that's not that, that you don't want to do. I mean, there's going to be a few, that doesn't result in instant gratification. There will always be a few things you have to do that's not instant gratification, but then we're going to, we're going to wrap it around things that you do enjoy. And then she said, yeah, you know, because my husband and I, we were watching your son last weekend. And remember, this is a rec environment, indoor rec environment. So my younger one is going to stand out. And man, he just had the ball. And he was doing all this. And we were just saying, boy, that little fella, he's so good. And, and um, he, we were just commenting. And what I would have said to her, but that wouldn't have made any sense to her and whatever. I would have said to her, I didn't say, I just said, thank you. But I would have said to her, yes. And I bet he is enjoying this experience more than the other kids in some respects. Now, I don't want to overanalyze it because I think people enjoy it no matter what. So I'm not saying that, but I have seen with my own eyes, kids who have a good foundation uh, tend to enjoy the team activities more than those who do not, not suggesting that the other ones don't. Because I coach rec and the other kids enjoy it too, but kids who score goals, kids who have the ball, kids who go 1v1 appear to get more gratification out of those team environments. And then, so then that brings me to uh, the final point and I will leave with this. And this is a sort of 
unrelated point, but I just said get it on tape that it is related and unrelated. So you have to remember, guys, we talked about the target audience, but you have to remember that there's a difference between explaining something to an adult in theory and then how you actually execute it on the ground, right? So in theory, I explained to my, uh, I guess, an adult, I want my child to do the figure eight drill faster. I'm explaining that to you in theory. And there are a couple of ways I can do that. I can force them to do it. I can uh, give them some of the external incentive, like a prize of something. Or, and what we're doing with the technology is challenge, giving them challenges to do it, which is a form of external uh, motivation. But I wanna separate for our conversations and the conversations we have on social media, two adults talking about how to develop children from what actually happens on the ground and how we deliver this stuff. And those are two separate things. So let me give you an example. If I'm talking to an adult about the importance of play that we can get into, and I'm not a social scientist in this regard, so don't, I don't know the details, but we can get into the role of play in skill acquisition, the role of play in learning new things, the role of play in enjoyment, the role of play in lifelong learning and why that's important. That's an adult talking about play, right? And then there is just, just playing with your kids. So I, I don't know if I'm splitting hairs there, but I just really want to clarify that there's a lot of things I do in a rec environment that the kids perceive as just playing, but I know they're getting something else out of it. And I think a lot of our coaches make that point, but the point that they don't necessarily make is, but there are going to be times where there's just no way around it you kind of have to um do things that the kid won't enjoy 100 but you do it for a short period of time uh, you meet them where they're at you're really consistent and then you move on to something that they do enjoy and that's kind of been my approach and that's kind of worked and, and so i just wanted to throw this out there to the parent trainers as a follow-up to as we as, as we start thinking about player development because what happens is when you start talking to other adults about player development and you start inter introducing nuance that suggests that the process that you have is not gonna be 100% fun, instant gratification all the time, then you start hearing comments about burnout and all this kind of stuff. And I, you know, I'm gonna do a podcast on burnout, but from what I um, saw as a kid growing up and then what I've seen with kids in my, the, um, of the parents that I have, and then what I see with, the older kids and what I have seen is that it's actually very complicated there's no one thing that leads to it but um so yes there's a level of just overtraining or, or early professionalization of the sport that drives the kids crazy but a lot of it is just verbal abuse and pressure and stress as well regardless of the training and then a lot of it is not having this the toolbox and the skills to compete at the highest highest level or the level that the parent is putting the child in and realizing that becoming aged and realizing that and saying you know what i don't want to spend this much time doing that and then people misinterpret that as burnout as as opposed to just a rational decision so there's a lot that goes into that and so when you start talking about adding nuance to a conversation around fun you get a lot of that um um feedback which is helpful in some respects but i don't know if the person completely has really thought through what they're saying when they say 
something should be 100% fun, instant gratification all the time. All right, so this is Neil Crawford. Um, I'm almost losing my voice because this is my second podcast today. Neil Crawford, founder of Anytime Soccer Training. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do and to join the mailing list and get more information like this. Let's get better together.